Hey everybody, you're listening to a brand new episode of Saul's Life with me, your host, Saul. And I can't wait to bring you guys the next guest on this new episode. Uh, he's a very prestigious, he is very distinguished, and he is also very prominent. The main man, Chris Stewart. Uh, just the all-around great guy, and um, I think his story is uh, very unique and interesting, um, and uh, I think he's just got a different perspective um, on how maybe this virus has affected uh, what he does and his everyday routine, um, and I think it's going to be relatable to a lot of uh, a lot of you guys out there listening in. Um, and if not, I think it's going to be a good story um, that maybe, you know, you, you might be able to learn something from. So uh, without further ado, when I come back, I'll have um, the main man here in Orlando, Chris Stewart, uh, on. And um, we'll just be talking a little bit about um, just his, his life and, and, and how he sees things. So stick around. Awesome. And uh, I would like to welcome everybody back here to uh and um i think if i hear everything correctly uh i think chris are you uh are you in here what is going on brother oh nice awesome awesome um i i i'm always excited when i have someone new on the uh, like like on the on the show and i'm always uh super excited when like the technology works <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good start, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, you're, you're telling me, man. I um, you know, the first couple couple of these, I, I'm trying to get to get to kind of know the um, just how everything works on there and 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 on everyone else's end too. And um, now I feel like finally I kind of I might have it down to where it's not too bad right at the beginning, and I think <laughs> everybody can click in and 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 the sound is great. So it's it's awesome to hear you, man. I uh. I, I super appreciate your time too, man. Like, thank you for this. This is, uh, I, I, I mean, I think you're a big deal. So this is kind of huge for me. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Look, anytime, like anytime you want to talk, I'm definitely down for it. You're a cool dude, man. Oh, uh, dude. I'm, I am just, I'm just trying, man. I, uh, I, you know, a, a lot of stuff that kind of struck me about you and like the reason I really wanted to kind of have you on, um, mm -hmm. especially as of late, um, it, it's just seeing your posts on, on Facebook and, and, uh, on social media and just kind of seeing just the way you, you know, you're feeling about things, just kind of your thoughts on things. I, I was saying earlier in the introduction, um, before you got on that, uh, I just think, you know, your, your point of view is very relatable to some. And at the same time, um, if people, you know, haven't, kind of been in that situation or, or kind of have seen things the way you are, then they're definitely going to learn something um, um, new um, just because, I, I mean, I'm looking here and, and first, dude, you're from Lynchburg, like Virginia? I, I am. I'm originally from Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, so tell me a little, like, how long, how long have you been here in Florida then? What, what was, did you go to high school over there? Did you go to school here? Or how, how did that work? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Lynchburg, Virginia, and I moved here to Orlando, Florida after I graduated at 18. So at this point, I've been in Orlando longer than I've been in Lynchburg, but I've still got a bunch of family back there, and I try to go visit whenever I get a chance. 
um, now I kind of consider Orlando home, but I still go back and visit people and all that, you know? Yeah, no, for real. I, uh, I mean, what brought you to Orlando in the first place then? So a lot of people in Lynchburg um, are born there, grow up there, and they just never leave. Um, Lynchburg is kind of one of those smaller towns. And once you get used to the town, you just kind of stay forever. And then one day you're like, maybe I'll leave. But now you feel like it's too late. So I made a deal with myself. I said, go live in a bigger city. And if you hate it, you can go back to Lynchburg and say you tried it. And if not, then it'll be a good change for you. And I moved to Orlando and just kind of never wanted to go back. Did you, I mean, did you even know anybody here when you, when you made the move or? Uh, yeah, my, my mom had some, my mom had moved here from Virginia and some of her family was down here. And I was like, okay, I'll go to school. I'll have some family nearby. Um, I was also thinking about going to a couple of colleges because I was in sports in high school that would have been in different cities, but I kind of liked that someone was going to be here that I already knew. Yeah, it makes it um, it makes the move a little more comfortable, man. To me, it um, I feel like anybody, it, it's a big deal when anybody at a, at any young age kind of moves, like at a young as a young adult to somewhere where they're not, you know, even if they have somebody there, they they still don't really know anything about that place. I um, oh yeah, like my mom, I, you know, t- this is what I always think about when people say like, yeah, you know, when I hear that they moved. Um, you know, when they were 18 or young to wherever it is and they just stayed there without really knowing anyone. Um, my mom was in her 20s when she came from like Dominican Republic to uh, to New York City um, mm-hmm. and she didn't really know anybody at all. So to me, that's always like like a big deal. I mean, you find out a lot about yourself. I feel like kind of when you're just, um, you know, when you're here alone, like how did what, 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 what are the kind of things that you got into when, when once you moved here and and how did you kind of find your, your niche? You know what I mean? You know, that's true. When I first moved to Orlando, I was not happy about being here just because even though, you know, a couple of family members, none of my friends were here. I didn't know the town. There's really a growth process when you first move somewhere and grab your footing. At first, I was just kind of going to school and then I got a job at a movie theater and started hanging out with the people I worked with and at the time, you know, I'm dating myself, but AOL was still a thing. So. <laughs> Dude, I, I think I think I'm as old as you are. Trust me, I might be older. So. <laughs> so you know, I could chat with people online, and you know, you kind of build a social structure for yourself, and you just kind of get out there, you know. Um, I, I, I mean, it, it, to me, it's crazy because you, you are, you're like a man about town, bro. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh. Like, like when I said you're a big deal, like you really are, you know what I mean? So to me, it's kind of crazy, like just coming out of, you know, out of a whole nother state and just coming here and, and, and making your own name and, and kind of making your own way. That's, that's like fucking awesome. Um, uh, and yeah, it's been tough. No. Um, so what, uh, what do you, what do you do now? Um, you know, what, and, and, and I guess, or, or what were you doing or, or what, what what's happened? Because I'm not sure what's going on, you know, with uh, with the whole scene downtown 100 percent just because of everything that's been going on. But I know you you kind of had to go through a, a bit of a transition um, in the last few months um, just to kind of get things going. Um, can you kind of maybe just like tell us a little bit about that? You know what I mean? Like what uh, 
just how, how this whole virus, I guess, maybe just kind of shut shit down for you. You know what I mean? In particular. Yeah. It's kind of a different world for everyone now. Um, once the state shut everything down and all the bars and clubs had to close, I was kind of like, okay, I got to keep the bills paid. I got an overnight gig stocking shelves at a grocery store just because that would be money coming in and kind of kept the ball rolling that way. A lot of people right now are kind of going through it and are having to do whatever they can to make ends meet. When people started filing for unemployment, of course, unemployment was, you know, a struggle for people even to get money that way. So I was like, yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. Website's like broken. Don't even get me started on that, but go ahead. Yeah. And I mean, and that's something that hopefully will come out of this that, we now know that system just isn't functional. It's not willing to bear the weight of this type of thing. And hopefully that's something that's worked on that we wouldn't have known about if this didn't happen. So I really hope that that's something that's focused on with this situation. Um, But with the bars and clubs being allowed to open again, we're just doing it with a new reality. You know, the 50% capacity we're providing, we're asking people to wear their own masks, but we're also providing masks to people. Um, at the doors when they come in, we're doing temperature checks. You know, the hospitality industry has taken such a hit with this pandemic and people have bills to pay. People need to, they need to survive. So I'm glad that people are able to get back to work now. It's just hopefully the customer base will come out and they'll be generous knowing that people have taken a hit and also they'll adhere to the precautions that are out there so that we can all keep working yeah no it's wild like i said like like you're you're in the middle of it you know when you're down there um and you've seen everything are people like slowly starting to come back a little bit or or how is that you know kind of like kind of kind of going on because i got i mean obviously you know i know q and uh and and jeremy and everything Mm -hmm. like that i know they got gigs over there um and i just you know it's it's wild because I guess DeSantis or, and everybody and, you know, I guess the stats and all that is saying um, like it's, it's moving more towards the younger crowd now, you know, the, the, the viruses, that's right. kind of his, his thing or whatever. Um, and, you know, we might get into that a little bit, a little <laughs> bit, but uh, you know, like are people starting to kind of come out now and hopefully be responsible enough to, to have a good time, you know, out of those places or. Well, the first weekend we were able to reopen, you know, there were definitely people out and we had to adhere because we do everything to the letter, you yeah. know, so we adhere to the 50% capacity. And once the lines were too long, we we're like, hey, sorry, folks, you know, we got to wait for some people to leave, you know, and at that point, people were stir crazy, you know, so people were going to get out just because they wanted to get out. And there's some people that are definitely being more careful than others. Um, all we can do is do our due diligence on our end to try to keep as many people safe as we can. You know, there's a bunch of tables and chairs that have been added to not only for social distancing, but also follow with the guidelines when it comes to you need to be seated to buy a drink. Um, we're kind of keeping an eye on people. If people are sick, they need to not come out. You know, some of the younger folks just kind of feel like they're invulnerable at this point. Yeah. And 
that's why that trending tends to be changing. I mean, a lot of the UCF kids and stuff like that are just kind of going out and doing whatever without any thought of anything. So I think that's why that's happening. I mean, in chat wise, off the podcast, we were talking about Night Out Pub and that whole thing. And I yeah. that's why that's the case over there. Dude, that, that to me was wild, reading that article and then just kind of watching the news and, and finding a little bit more about it. And it, and it, it you know, it, there, there is a big difference at, at, about, man, how, let me see. I'm trying to think of a way. All right. So there is a big difference in the way like a responsible venue and like a, a responsible business, you know, can, can do this versus like in a place like Knight's Pub, you know what I mean? Which is in, in, insane to me. And if you can do it the right way, you know, even though it is kind of tough, like it's definitely a good thing to kind of keep it going. You know, if people can get in there and stay healthy and, and, and contribute um, to everything else, I, I think it's great too. But that Knight's Pub example was just that that was probably one of the like the worst thing that could happen. You know what I mean? To to a business, I feel like or, or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like a bar or a club. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's why you just have to, you know, and I really do believe everything should be open and I think it can be done and it can be done right. And, you know, all the bars and clubs are just trying their best to do it right, you know, and if they don't, then it just kind of makes the rest of us look bad, you know, but I do think that most, yeah, I think most places are putting in a real effort and trying to do things according to the guidelines and trying to keep everyone safe because people need to make a living. And if everything gets shut down, you've got a lot of staff that are just put out and that are in a rough situation. So many people in this country are, and some people learned it that maybe didn't know it, that were like one, two paychecks away from a tough situation. If it just kind of came out of nowhere. No, it is. It's, um, it's, it's, I, it's it's a wild time to be alive because <laughs> we've oh, never we've, yeah like our, our parents have never gone through anything like this, um, and I you know I, I'm kind of on the end to where I went I went to lunch I went out to lunch today for the first time so mm-hmm. th- th- this is this is where I'm at um, and this is going to be new like I haven't I haven't even talked to anybody about this um, I, I went out to lunch today for the first time. Uh, with my buddy Doug and um, you know he wanted he wanted to grab some food so I was like yeah all right that's cool I haven't been out in forever and I am I have been super anti going out you know I have been super anti kind of almost everything because it's just like there's you know I'm like there's no way I'm gonna put myself in any kind of danger for whatever reason okay Um, Mm -hmm. I I I go out today and and I'll and I'll say this I'll say where I went out because I they changed my mind. Um, and, and I went to Cabo's. Uh, my boy Mark uh, just opened up a restaurant in Thornton Park. Um, okay. Him, him and his, uh, I believe, I think it's like his brothers maybe or the family. I, I got a, I'm not 100% sure who else um, he opened it up, but I know he's definitely one of the main owners. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, the whole time I'm thinking, you know, this is downtown, you know, like people, how, how, 
how what can you do? You know what I mean? How much more can you do? Because it's virus. It's just the virus. It is what it is. Um, but if you are, you know, help, if, if you don't have a temperature, you know what I mean? If, if you're not sick, if you don't if you're not having any of the symptoms, um, if everybody is wearing their masks, um, you know, you see everybody inside there, they put up like kind of this plexiglass, um, mm-hmm. you know, the barriers in between uh, tables and, and booths and, and spaced everything out. And, you know, hand sanitizer everywhere, hand sanitizer on the outside. When I when I went there, you know, at first I was thinking, man, I'm going to sit outside. You know, we, we can eat lunch. And I was like, nope, it's a thousand degrees out there. Let's <laughs> right. go inside. You know, I, 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 you know, hand sanitize. I go in there and I was super impressed just just by how they kept everything. You know, the, the way they did everything, just like clean spec, everybody spread out, Um I mean, you know, your servers are wearing their masks, you know, every, bartenders wearing gloves, whatever. And it really changed my mind to, you know, kind of think a little like, well, if if you're doing this the right way and, you know, you're taking every precaution you can, then, you know, go ahead and enjoy yourself if you can for a little bit. And, you know, and, and it's no big deal. And Exactly. It can yeah. definitely be done right. And when you saw those precautions being made, you automatically felt more comfortable being. Oh, I, I, a thousand times more comfortable. You know, shout out to Cavo, shout out to Mark um, yeah. out in Thorn Park because they really, you know, I, I didn't think, you know, you could really do it. And maybe we went also kind of in the middle of the day. You know, it's not too busy. And it's it's never really that busy in the middle of any day, you know, honestly, um, unless you're like at a, you know, a big downtown or a big lunch spot, period. But Right. Just generally speaking, I was like, man, this is all right. You know, I could see I could see myself going out again, you know, maybe in another week or whatever it is, you know, not OD, but like really, really having a good time because they're be, they're responsible, you know, business owners and, you know, the, the guests in there were being responsible as well. I, I think that I think that kind of has a lot to do with it, too. You, you might have a little a, a little tougher there sometimes because you guys have like uh I mean, your crowd is just all ages. So, you know, I don't know how the younger crowd might be responding to that sometimes, but. Yeah, I mean, with with the bars downtown, most people are 21 and up. Every now and then there's like an 18 and up night or something like that. But. Oh, that's you, right. That's right. Yeah, but you still just do your best to, you know, prepare them. I mean, when they show up and we're like, hey, we need to check your temperature. We need you to wear a mask. If you brought your own, that's fine. If not, we'll give you one. You know, you put people in a situation to do the right thing. And most of them will do the right thing, you know. And if anyone is doing anything that could put anyone at risk, then, of course, we can move from there and do whatever we need to do. Um, But, you know, I think, you know, there's some people that go to conspiracy theories that all of this is fake and all that kind of stuff. But I think most people now know that it's really a thing and they don't want to catch it and that life still needs to move on. They just need to take precautions for the time being until things get more back to normal. Yeah. You're, I mean, that's, you're spot on. That's, that's perfectly said. I, um, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about this whole Bubba Wallace thing. And um, I'm, I'm glad I have you on here for this because 
you know, the last the last podcast I did, we kind of just spoke about the incident um, and not, you know, with what the FBI found out and, and, and the result of, of the investigation, um, but also kind of like, you know, just how how you're feeling after um, after kind of reading the FBI results. And and for those who don't know, you know, kind of well, who don't know what I'm talking about, um, I, I believe it was what, Saturday night? Um, they found a noose in Bubba Wallace's um, like carport, you know, NASCAR garage thing over at a right. racetrack. Um, and you know, it wasn't him. Bubba Wallace didn't see it himself. Um, uh, one of his teammates did, and they went ahead and reported it, and uh, you know, went up to the officials. Um, the officials went ahead and went through the proper, you know, procedure, I guess, and like got the the FBI involved as well and everything. Um, and then, uh, was it today that we got the results for that from that? Um, I believe yesterday they started talking about the results of the FBI, and people started spreading the story as to whether it was a setup and all that. Um, we had already had an idea that. It had to be someone on the inside. Someone that had access to it uh, must have done it. It wasn't like some random fan or something like that. It had to be someone that either worked for NASCAR or someone that had access to the venue. Um, but today, people are really digging into whether they think it was a setup or not. And I personally don't think it was. Yeah, I, everyone. Yeah, everyone's like the uh, the whole Jesse Smollett situation. They're exactly. Into, you know, it's happening all over, which is why things like that are freaking horrible. Um, yeah. You know, just for the movement. But yeah, I um I mean, yeah, it was yes. So I sent you that um like the FBI findings and and I guess they said that uh the news had been there since uh like l- late fall or October 2019 um and that he wasn't targeted in the hate crime. Um I immediately thought like this is just a cover-up job, I guess cuz you know like it, it, it's there's too many cameras in there, you know. They they know who did this, and I I, I guess I'm gonna sound like a crazy person thinking it's like some conspiracy theory, you know, that NASCAR just kind of hit it up or covered it up, or or the FBI covered it up, um, because I don't know if you saw that that like that quote that this um it's like the the son of a former NASCAR driver, mm-hmm. and um. Jesus, I forgot it. I freaking forgot his name. I had it written down here. Well, anyways, he said that uh, he's glad that whoever put the noose is there, you know, like put the noose. Right. And that he says he wishes instead of them all pushing his car up to the front, he wishes that they would have drug him around the track with the noose. Wow. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I won't be watching NASCAR. His parents had to disassociate themselves from him and had yes. to come out with two different statements saying that, look, we this is all him. We don't believe that. You know what I mean? We stand behind Bubba, but I, you know, I mean, do do, do you think I, I might have a point? Maybe that it's kind of like you know, maybe some kind of cover up job, or what do you, you know, what what, what did you think? You know, what was your reaction? Kind of reading that that uh, like the final investigation, you know, result or whatever. Well, first off, from reading that, if you say no, the news has actually been there since October. Then why was the news still there in October? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you you can't be like. Why are you talking about the past, man? I'm like, yeah, but you did it in the past then. Like, it's it's still not cool. And unfortunately, NASCAR, you know, 
NASCAR has a stigma to it, which is sometimes earned. And I think we're seeing some of that now. Immediately, once the Black Lives Matter car came out and he started speaking out and all of that, immediately there was people that were like, not my NASCAR. I'm going to put up every Confederate flag I can. You know, I this is our sport. This is our thing. And some of those people are rebelling. And yes, I chose that word for a specific reason against <laughs> the change that's happening in the sport. You know, I don't think the FBI would hide anything like that. Um, I think NASCAR and I, you know, I'm not saying NASCAR did it, but it would make more sense if NASCAR was like, okay, this isn't a good look. Let's try to smooth this part off a little bit, smooth it out to where it doesn't look like we've got a bunch of races here that are part of pit crews and things of that sort. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not a good look. So I don't think your conspiracies are totally off base. I just don't think it would be on the government as smart as it would be probably internally. The NASCAR itself, yeah. I um, yeah. I mean, it, it's just tough for me because, you know, I, I read that and, and I kind of started seeing um, people's reactions to it. And, you know, a, a lot of a lot of uh, like uh, TV personalities um, were kind of just saying like, all right, thank God it's it's over. And like, yeah, you know, it wasn't directed at him. That's great. This, that and the third, almost like they just took that uh, that final result, you know, as kind of like, all right, that's it. We can move forward from here. You know, that's and, and, and that got me thinking, like, that's exactly what NASCAR would want, you know, and. And if it is an inside job, you know, it, it you know, and it's something that maybe they, maybe they, they recognize, you know, they, they saw who it was and it's like, man, we can't put this guy out. You know, it's one of those things. And so you're right. Maybe NASCAR themselves decide to kind of hush, hush it up and kind of, you know, do this big song and dance thing where they're kind of behind Bubba Wallace, but you know, at the same time, they're kind of just showing like, hey, we really don't care. We're really going to cover up for this guy because, you know, that's just, you know, who we are. Like, that's just NASCAR. Maybe, maybe it's almost, to me, I, I kind of maybe almost think it's a slap in the face. Like, they're kind of showing like, hey, we stand with this regardless, you know, what we're going to tell you to your face. Because, you know, look at this. We gave whoever it was a slap on the wrist, if that. And now, you know, we're saying it wasn't directed towards you. And now the noose is there. And, and Bubba Wallace, I think, was on today saying, like, it was clearly a noose. Like, he, yeah. you know, it, it's, I, it, it, how, how do we, you know, I've been talking about, you know, kind of trying to get to the top of, of like that, that white supremacist food chain, you know, and, uh, you know, at, at, at jobs. Or, or just at any level, you know, because they, they, they shouldn't be in positions of power, I feel like, because um, it's just it's just bad all around. But then when you have, like, NASCAR, this governing body, you know, a major sport, still covering up, I feel like it's a cover-up, you know? How, like, like what what are you supposed to do? You know, these people are going to be in power for forever. Is, is there anything that anyone can do, or do we just have to accept it? Well, I think a lot of things are really changing right now. And I think there's a lot of things that factor into that change. I think the Black Lives Matters movement has been a big deal. You know, the riots and 
the peaceful protests and all that stuff has been a big deal because so many people ignore things that happen every day and it's made it a lot harder to ignore. And I think with that, there's been a lot of change in corporate structure. There's more diversity already. People are sharing history that they've never heard of. You know, I think there's, yeah, I mean, there are so many people right now, especially, you know, Caucasian people that weren't against minorities, but were just kind of living their own lives that are now like, wow, this stuff is happening. Mm -hmm. You know, and then once they saw that, they're like, actually, let me find out some more about that. You know, there's a lot of books that are out right now that are about the life of being a minority, about how to not be racist, things like that that are sold out on Amazon, like backward, because people are wanting to learn more of what that experience is and what's been going on in America that they just haven't had to pay attention to before. You know, and some people are really reluctant, some racists and people that have prejudices and people that just don't like change in general are really reluctant to those changes, but they're being dragged along, you know? And as long as the movement keeps going, those people really won't have a choice in the matter. Things are gonna change. Things are gonna get better. We just have to keep pushing. I, um, did you, did you ever pay attention a lot to NASCAR at all? I mean, I, you know, my idea, the minute I, I found out, you know, you were from Lynchburg, Virginia, I'm thinking, holy crap. Like, you know, first off, you must have dealt with some crazy shit growing up. I'm thinking. Yeah, sadly. You know, yeah. Then, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And then secondly, obviously, you know, not not necessarily maybe paid attention to NASCAR as much, but, you know, this whole Confederate flag issue in NASCAR all of a sudden, you know, kind of getting taken out. And I'm pretty sure that's something you grew up with a lot. Um, Definitely. Yeah, where you were at. Like, I, I, I guess, you know... Are things? When's the last time you went home? Like, when's the last time you went to uh, to Lynchburg at all? Uh, the last time I went to Lynchburg was, I believe, now two years ago. I was supposed to go back in March. No, actually, a year ago. I was supposed to go back in March, but of course, due to COVID, that flight ended up being canceled. But yeah, growing up in Lynchburg in the eighties and nineties, you know, Lynchburg is a very dark red city politically and you know it's conservative one of the main things that lynchburg is known for is it's the home of liberty university and the Falwells. you know it's one of the biggest if not the biggest christian university in the united states yeah and they, you know, they've been coming under some heat lately too well the fall yeah oh, go ahead yeah i mean ever since you know ever since back in the day with jerry falwell senior you know, saying that he thought one of the Teletubbies was gay. Yeah. People shouldn't watch it. I mean, there's always been things going on with the Falwells and Liberty. And recently, his mask situation where he was going after the governor, putting a picture of the governor in blackface on the mask and saying that if everyone has to wear a mask, they should wear this mask. You know, that's the last thing I heard. The, I don't know if you had heard that story, but that's no, I did not. That's wild. Like, yeah. That's, yeah, that's wild. And then a restaurant there in town, their owner went online and was like, 
if you make those masks, order a bunch of them so I can have my staff wear them. <laughs> then a bunch of people went and attacked the restaurant. Uh, I mean, with the political climate, that's a tough situation to put yourself in. And, you know, it, it's always something like that. But, you know, unfortunately, so when I grew up there, it's kind of, it's a smaller town. And the only club they had up there when I was growing up was called Catalani's. So if you wanted to like go out and do something, you would go to Catalani's, which was a country club kind of, I mean, smaller than a club would be here, but yeah. a country club that happened to have like a pop night. Okay. They played like top 40 or something probably. Exactly. So okay. you might go do top 40 and, you know, there would be, you know, the country boys are out there and then you've also got like the pop people and whatever. And it was just no variety of other things really, except I ended up spending a lot of time at a place there called Spanky's that used to exist. (laughs) (laughs) So Spanky's was a restaurant, but in the basement, they did shows that were all ages. So like high school bands and like small bands around town or whatever would come play. And like, that was one of my main hangout spots. You know, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Catalanis. If this is painting any type of picture of where I'm from, yeah. Geez, I, will, yeah. I mean, it's it's painting the 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 exact picture I thought. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was, that I was, the exact picture I was picturing. You are painting it right now. That's hilarious. You know, and I mean, unfortunately, Lynchburg is still kind of behind with a lot of that stuff. Unfortunately, I did come across quite a bit of racism coming up and all that because of the confederacy and you know all those ideas and you know there's still definitely confederate flags and stuff you know do you think they should you know they should come down do you think the uh you know like the statues should come down and stuff like that of course yeah i mean there's no reason for us to treat these people like heroes the argument that we get is that we can't forget history And I totally agree that we can't forget history. And that's what the internet is for. That's what books are for. That's what, you know, holidays are for. But we put up statues to make people heroes, to celebrate them. I mean, are we going to start putting up statues of Hitler? I mean, we all agree that Hitler is not a good dude. But... (laughs) But we should also be able to agree that if 40% of your population is African-American, why would you have a Confederate soldier statue, someone who felt like you were not a full person, that you were less than a person? Why would we want that up? Why would we want that to be celebrated? You know, it should have gone a long time ago. It should have never actually gone up. But oh, they should have never went up. The minute... The minute the North won the war, <laughs> it was yeah. it was over. Yeah, I mean, you turned against your nation because you wanted to keep slavery. I mean, that's really what the Civil War came down. That's to. it. Yeah, that's the only reason. It's a, uh, you know, a, a, another thing I think people need to realize too, um, and that I I never thought of until I I was kind of doing a little digging myself um, today. 
but just the we need to see like when these monuments uh, and these statues were put up because you know a lot you know we think that they that they were put up you know back in in the 1800s or whenever you know right after the war um a lot of these statues and these civil um these confederate monuments were put up in in like the 60s you know in the 20s and in the 60s like long after the war was over (laughs) that's exactly right a lot of them were actually put up as a response to the civil rights movement thank you and it was kind of more of one of those let's try to intimidate these people let's state claim that we still want to keep white supremacy and prejudice and things like that around and that's why that stuff started happening. You know, if these things went up during the Civil War, then you would be like, okay, well, then that's why this happened, or even shortly thereafter. But no, not at all. Way down the line. And also when it comes to the Civil Rights Movement, people forget that it really wasn't that long ago. There are people now who have grandparents that went to segregated schools. Oh yeah. Um they the, they show that picture of uh of the of the little black girl going to the first uh in Alabama. I be, yep. I think it was in Alabama where she was uh going to you know was first integrated in the school, her elementary school. Yeah, she's, they had to escort her in. Yeah, she's only in her 60s right now. Yeah. Like in her late 60s, she's still alive. So <laughs> it's it's insane that um a lot of this has happened still um you know in, in people's lifetimes and and we're not that far removed from any of it especially down here in the south um oh yeah i mean when i was coming up in virginia there were still people that would just brazenly call you the n word to your face oof you know and Like, unfortunately, I have multiple stories of that happening. And when people do that brazenly, it's because they feel comfortable. And they feel comfortable because they know there's a lot of other people around that won't say anything about it. And that's what I think really needs to change. And I think with the solidarity that people are standing in with these protests and with the stuff they're sharing online, I think that's a big thing. I mean, right now on Facebook, if you were to go out and say something racist, even though you'll have some people supporting you, a lot of other people would jump right on it. Whereas before, some people would kind of be like, well, if it's not my problem, I'm not really into it, then I won't say anything, you know? You know, but we need more people just to go, that's not right. That's not cool. And once these people feel shamed because of that, or that other people aren't going to accept it, they stop doing it. You know, and that's really what it is. I mean, unfortunately, I can tell you multiple stories from back home of the N-word coming out just brazenly, where hopefully it's not as bad as it was then. But also with Trump being elected, immediately a lot of those people that were in hiding became embrazened. They were like, okay, we got a guy in the White House now that's like me. Yeah. Has prejudice against minorities like me that's willing to say 
the things that I've kind of wanted to say, but I can't say anymore because now it's not acceptable. So I'm about to go out here and wild out, you know? And, and, and I don't, I don't get how people don't see that uh, connection. You know what I mean? A lot of people, oh, and, and I hate, I, you know, they'll be like, Obama started it. And I'm like, how, I, I don't remember anybody going around wearing Obama hats you know what I mean? To like Obama rallies or anything like that. You know, I, I don't remember. I don't remember any of this stuff, you know, like this is solely happening. Um, I mean, the Trump campaign and when he, you know, dur- during his, his during his administration right now. I mean, and I will say, depending on how you look at it, Obama did kind of create Trump. Now, hear me out. And here's why. Obama was such a great moment of a minority actually gaining the presidency in the United States. My dad, like I called my dad the night he was elected and my dad was kind of choked up going, I thought I would never see this in my lifetime. Wow. You know, and it was such a big moment for people. And while we thought, man, the, the nation's going forward, this is such a great thing. There was a section of America that just hated the fact that a minority was now president. Yeah. So, you know, every president takes criticism. It's a thing. Everyone, I mean, they threw a shoe at George Bush. Yeah. They do. <laughs> they do too, right? My man threw yeah. two them, I think. <laughs> Missed them with the one. I mean, when you got a president bobbing and weaving, like <laughs> trying to avoid shoes, you know, it's a thing. Don't get me wrong, you know? But people were taking Obama dolls and putting them on nooses. That yeah, that people see that's a murder. Yeah, these things. The people that were racist and prejudiced and things of that sort really was like, they were really motivated by the fact that Obama was president. So if you want to say from that angle that he caused some of it, okay, sure. Because then Trump was able to play toward all of that in his mm-hmm. painting. And really, that's the direction he went. You know, all those prejudices, he just kind of went towards them when it came to race, when it came to sex, when it came to the LGBTQ plus community. You know, he was like, I'm going to attack all of these people in a certain way because that'll motivate the base that feels that way because not every Republican or not every conservative is racist or sexist and all of that. But the racist and sexist definitely are Republican. Like that's kind of how that thing went. And I think he was like, Oh, you know, when people asked him to denounce the KKK, he was reluctant to do so because he was like, those people were guaranteed to vote for me. Yeah. And where it would be right for you to go, hey, I know they're more on my side, but I don't condone their actions. I don't condone their mission statements. I don't agree with any of that. Instead, he would kind of go, you know, there's good people on both sides. And, you know, they're just, they're just impassioned people. And I'm like, no, you know, as a leader, this is when you need to go, this isn't acceptable. 
and we need to move forward. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, you know, this November coming up. Um, hopefully, people remember what's been going on and, and how this just recently how this whole situation has been handled with the pandemic and and everybody losing jobs and and, and the economy itself. Um, I kind of want to I kind of turn it around a little bit because you know it's been super serious here. Right, um, yeah. and uh, the last uh, episode I did, I was asking the guys, um, kind of like what maybe their favorite breakfast spots are, or mm-hmm. or what their favorite breakfast spot meal is. Because I, you know, I'm a, I was blown away by Wendy's breakfast. Have Have you had a chance to try Wendy's breakfast yet? I haven't done Wendy's breakfast yet. No, I haven't. Oh done my yet. God, you are! I'm telling you right now, you're missing out. But, really? Yeah, I, I just right. never thought that a place like that, yeah, would would make uh, would have breakfast that good just coming out of a place like that. But um, you know, uh, where 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 do you think you know you've had probably the best breakfast maybe around here? Oh man, best breakfast. Uh, if you're going if you're going just fast food, let's just sorry, we'll we'll do an um, kind of like uh, kind of like Categories. little uh, yeah, like like let's just do um. Fast food breakfasts. Okay, fast food. I'll go McDonald's. Really? Uh, yeah. For some reason, the, the Burger King one just never really hit for me. And I know Taco Bell's doing it, but I mean, I know what Taco Bell does to people at dinner. So I don't know how that's going to go for breakfast. I mean, you got more things to do that day. I don't know if that's a risk you want to take. Uh, <laughs> I haven't. I haven't had Taco Bell breakfast uh, yet. And you're up for that exact same reason. You're absolutely right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mickey D's though, I was I was hooked on Mickey D's almost all my life. You know, especially the breakfast I thought was amazing. Um, I'm telling you, man, you're gonna change your mind when you try Wendy's. Like you just make it, make it, make it. You know, make it a thing. Try to try it sometime this week or next week. All right. And 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 just you know, let me know what you think. Um, if you're if you're going like maybe kind of sit in breakfast diner restaurant, you know, this this includes like the Waffle Houses and and Denny's and and, and IHOPs. Where where do where do you think you would go around here? Uh, well, see, the weird the weird thing here is. If people have gone out to the club and they're looking to get some food after the club, it's Denny's. If you're legitimately going for breakfast somewhere and you want to get some pancakes and eggs and whatnot, I think you got to go to IHOP. Um, really? Yeah. And I mean, some people go the other way. And I mean, Waffle House, you know, a lot of people are like, I just kind of want to get some greasy Waffle House food. And, you know, people make jokes about it. They're like, the Waffle House food is only good if you see the cook smoking a cigarette outside before. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm totally not against that at all. Sometimes you're like, I just want to get some diner food and go for it, you know. But I will say also, and this is kind of in the same category, but a little different. If you've never been to Kiki's, oh, you're right. Kiki's is also a good spot. Kiki's is a great spot. Have Have you ever been to Hash House, a Go Go? I think that's what it's called, like on I Drive. I've heard of them, but I haven't been there actually. All right, I went there once. That place is ridiculous. It's amazing, but it's you know it's definitely a wait. You're gonna have to wait a minute to get in there and eat. Um, I'm telling you, try Wendy's. 
you're you're gonna you're gonna love it. I um I I'm lucky, man, because I, I I got a lot on me. So like I said, like Bakery Plus is like my go-to as well, and then um like Daybreak Diner right here off like Curry Ford is uh oh, yeah. is like really good. If you're ever around this area, I would suggest either of those places. Um, okay. I, yeah, I mean with my with my keto stuff, you know, I kind of have to be. Oh, dude! Well, then forget it. Yeah, no. If you're, yeah, if you're, <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're, if you're doing keto stuff, then I don't know if you should try any of this food then out here because this will completely mess everything up. I feel like. And I mean, I'm not always keto, but <laughs> I did, I did keto for a full year, and I don't know if you saw that because I documented all of it on Facebook. Oh, crazy, and, crazy transformation! It was insane. And, yeah, and that's when I got used to. I was like, if I go to McDonald's, I can order a sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin without the muffin and stay within my macros and kind of grab something on the go if I really needed to, you know, because it's not automatically breaded. You know, they'll give it to you in a platter like they would give you the pancakes with a knife and a fork, and you can kind of use that as a grab-it-on-the-go situation. Man, I didn't even think about that. I, um... Dude, I'm addicted to bread, so I don't know. It's 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 so bad for me to to like stop eating bread. I don't know how um I don't know how anybody does that. First off, that's just wild. I mean, you legitimately go through withdrawals when you do it from the sugar because your body's just used to a certain amount of sugar and carbs. They put sugar in everything, Ugh. you know. So it's it really is a thing, but. For me, it really worked out well for me, and I know it works out well for some other people, but when people ask me what they should go on, I'm like, just whatever you think you can stick to. Yeah. Huh. I I got you here, and I have to talk wrestling with you. Okay. <laughs> I don't get to talk wrestling with a lot of people, um, and, and, and I'll be honest, man. So my boy Kev, shout out to my buddy Kev. Because he, I mean, you know, he, he's religious on it. Got his kids watching it. The wife watches it. You know, everybody watches it. I uh, I stopped watching wrestling, you know, like a lot of people. Well, probably like right after high school, maybe. I okay. want to say. Um, man, so I guess that might have been like the Attitude Era, I feel like. Like maybe oh, right wow. in 2000. Man, so just before Ruthless Aggression. Yo, just before Ruthless Aggression. Perfect. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I, 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 you, you keep, you know, you keep an eye on it because, you know, you got friends that watch it every now and then. And obviously The Rock was a big deal. And, you know, you start hearing oh, names, CM Punk and whatever and all this other stuff. And you're like, all right. I am now fully invested. And I have been the last probably two, three years, maybe. Mm-hmm. All because of Kev. And... Nice. I don't know how to feel about it because, you know, I don't want to be like that judgmental wrestling fan. <laughs> like most wrestling fans, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> man, because, you know, it's like how – but at the same time, you can't ignore, like, a lot of the things that that kind of go on in that industry, you know what I mean? And I don't know how to – Man, all right. So, I hate Vince McMahon. Okay. 
you know, but at the same time, you know, he's done a lot for the sport. Is that a fair thing to say? Oh, he's done so much for the business of wrestling. And he's definitely not a perfect person, but he's done a lot for the business. And that's something you definitely can't take away from him. So, you know, but where's like, I guess kind of like, where's the line? Cause I, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I'm, I watch it regardless, you know, and regardless whether you hear, you know, the things that he says and, and the things that he does and then some of these crazy storylines anyway, but I'm still watching anyways. Like I, you know, is there something where I should just, I mean, I don't even know, you know what I mean? I just, I don't know how to feel about it. I guess. Well, when it comes to Vince, well, for one, so if we're saying if you don't like Vince as a person that you shouldn't watch wrestling at all, then I think that's tough because unfortunately there's CEOs of so many other different companies that you're like, okay, I want to, I don't want to buy, I don't want to support this business because of what they do. Yeah. Okay. And you try to do that as mindfully as you can, but then you find out that all the competitors are the same way or that some owner owns a company that owns another company. You know, it's tough doing that. When it comes to Vince itself, I don't think Vince is as horrible of a person as people sell it because you have people telling good stories and bad stories about Vince. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things about Vince is Vince became an evil character that some people see as real life. Oh, yeah. I can see that. I think the line started to blur between Vince McMahon and the evil Mr. McMahon character. Yeah. <laughs> and I think from there, he just became a real life villain <laughs> to some people. And, you know, there's things he does where you're like, come on, that's not cool. But I think he's learned about some of that. I think Triple H and Stephanie have probably helped with some of that. I mean, people used to always vilify, well, not always, but some people vilified the way that pro wrestling took on the bra and panties matches and all that kind of stuff when it came to the women. Yeah. And now some of the hottest matches you will see are from the women's division. And they're really going in there and putting in work. And they've even gotten top billing at WrestleMania. You know, I think that's a big deal. And I think they are progressing when it comes to that kind of thing. I mean, I've, I was brought up on wrestling. I mean, I don't remember a time that I wasn't into wrestling. Okay. You know, so I've seen all that stuff back in the day and kind of on the way up. I actually, so Lynchburg has a city armory and there would be local wrestling at the city armory like every Friday night. And it was something cheap for you to take the family to that, you know, it was kid friendly for the most part and all that. And it would be just something fun to do as a family. And every now and then the NWA would also come through. What? And this was full, yeah. And this was full kayfabe area. I mean, that era, like for instance, the locker room was really just one big room, but it had two doors with different aisles so it looked like the heels came down one and the good guys came down the other. Okay. And they would never ride to the show together 
you know, it was all those things to really keep it that way. And every now and then the NWA would come through and it would be like Ric Flair and Arn Anderson versus Sting and Lex Luger or something like that. That's insane. You know? Yeah. And it would, they would pack out this armory to the point where when the show was starting, there would still be people standing in line outside and people would buy tickets that didn't come with a seat just to stand in the back of bleachers, just to be in the house when it happened. Like it was a huge thing up there. And that's before it even became what it did in attitude era when wrestling just blew up to everyone. I mean, of course, Hulk Hogan and all that in the eighties was a big deal. But I mean, the Attitude Era is when it really got big with The Rock and Stone Cold and all that. I, and go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and I think now the stigma that there used to be for being a wrestling fan just is not as much as it was. And now a lot of the people that were big fans back then, like your buddy, are watching it with their kids now. It's uh it's definitely evolved. I you know, I, I tune into NWA a little bit as well. My buddy Kyle uh, Davis is mm-hmm. actually like kind of one of their uh broadcasters. Um oh, cool. yeah, yeah, dude, it's awesome. I when I found out, it blew my mind away. Um I'm a big Zicky Dice fan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I wanna know what's in the fanny pack. And that's all I've been like tuning in his YouTube channel and everything, kind of figuring that out. Um, how do you feel about AEW, man? Because I uh, I've kind of gotten into that a little bit as well. Are you uh, like, do you watch it all? You know what I mean, or or do you just kind of specifically stick to uh, to either like WWE or um, or NWA now, or or you know AEW? Well, so I love all wrestling. Like, a lot of people kind of pick camps. They're like, I'm either AEW or I'm NXT. I'm either WWE or I'm New Japan. You know, all that kind of stuff. New Japan, good call on that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, New Japan has great work, but I also think, I mean, Kofi Mania was such a great storyline that people got behind in the main roster of WWE. I think that was great. Then again, I also think Naito and Los Igronables de Japón and all that is great over in New Japan. Um, NXT has been my big thing lately. And when NXT started doing live on USA, um, I went to a lot of them up until quarantine. Oh, that dude, you're right, man. I did. I, I forget they're here at Full Sail, right? Or they were. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and... My um, my girlfriend and I bought tickets to go to every show, and you know, because it was only ten bucks the ticket, and it's first come first serve. Mm-hmm. So I would go stand out there way before doors, and most of the time we would get a good seat right there in the middle of the bleachers. And I started meeting other guys there, and then we would all hang out and talk in line and hang out after and all that kind of stuff. You know, you become a part of a community. Yeah, when it comes to it. And NXT was just, you couldn't miss it. And then AEW, I would go home and watch a recording of AEW. And I think they're both great. They're just great in different ways. Mm -hmm. 
you know, AEW is a lot of high spots and a lot of high flyers, and it's just action going, going, going. And I think NXT tells more stories while still giving you some of that. It's not as risky as AEW, you know, mm-hmm. but I think they're both putting out great work. Um, I think they're both good. And I think WWE is kind of more of the casual fan and the kids and stuff, whereas NXT and AEW are more the hardcore wrestling fans that know all the moves and know these guys from the indies and they're really like in into it. Yeah, I feel you. I, uh, dude, I feel you 100% with NXT. I, I, I'm a big Keith Lee fan. Um, oh, yeah. Dude, and I, I've just been, the run that he's been on, I think has been great. I, uh, I hope it doesn't end. He's got a, well, he, I, I mean, whatever. I hope I'm not spoiling it for anybody when they hear this. Probably <laughs> not, but whatever. You know, uh, Joey Gargano and uh, uh, who else did he? Oh, and Finn Balor. They, they wrestled tonight. Right. He won. Mm-hmm. So I guess he uh, he goes on to face um, the NXT champ. In, uh, Adam Cole. Yeah, in like what, in two baby. weeks? Yeah, <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah, I hate that like... guy, dude. But that, that's not really <laughs> doing a good job. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and like I'll tell you, I love the Undisputed Era. I know I'm not supposed to, <laughs> but I just find it so entertaining. And he has really been a great NXT champion. You really you think know, he's, so? And, and I'll say because of how you feel right now about Keith Lee, which I also really like Keith Lee. But you're to the point where you're like, someone finally has to beat this guy. Oh, absolutely. And with every main match... He performs, and he gives you enough hope that today is the day. And wow. that's what was great about Rick Wow, Flair. good. That is – all right, you're making some good points here. You know, and that's what it is. I mean, Rick Flair and the Four Horsemen way back in the day, that was the thing. Rick was the man, but he would go to all these territories and make it look like today might be the day. And by hook or by crook, he'd make it out of there. And you will pay your money to see him finally lose. <laughs> that is such a good point. That's really what I um oh man, who's the other guy that I can't stand that obviously, I mean, and he's been a heel for a while, and now it's like you like seeing him be the heel is a uh, uh, King Corbin. Yeah, and I couldn't, dude, for the for the life of me, you know, I'm just watching this guy come out, and I hated his promos, I hated everything, you know, and then I don't know what happened. Is it just because he won King of the Ring, or did something click where this, you know, he became like the heel? And I'm like, oh my god, this guy's doing a great job of me hating him. Now I'm following him on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's uh, it's, it's kind yeah. of wild. Yeah, you know, and I mean, really what wrestling is, is heroes and villains. It's comic books brought to life. And you can only have a great hero if there's a villain. If there's someone for him to, him or her to fight against that makes you feel passionately for the hero. You need those foils. You need those villains like that just to be jerks. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no. You're... That's what you need. You know, you need them to be smug. You need them to be annoying. You need them to be cowards and all that so that Superman, Cena, or whoever, you know, can thwart evil is really what you need, you know? I mean, that's... And that's what I think makes it great because you can watch this entertaining show and it can give you the feelings of victory when the good guys win. It can make you mad when you see the villains cheat. And at the end of the day, you know, it's a show, you know, it's fun and you can't wait to see what happens next week. So what is it in July 19th? Is it extreme rules? Is that what we're waiting for? Yeah, Extreme Rules is coming up. Um, Backlash was yeah, the a week or two yeah, ago. Yeah, I think it was, uh, yeah, like two weeks ago. Yeah, like two weeks ago was Backlash. And NXT had the In Your, in your house. house. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Um, oh, yeah. Those NXT takeovers always deliver. They're always great. I, I have the network, and I watch all the stuff on there. Um, and they're always great. Great shows. I I too have the network, and I will agree with you. Um, like I, you know, that and that's that's probably maybe one of the main things that's kind of kept me uh, interested is the NXT, um, like that movement. You know what I mean, and everything that they're doing because it's it is it's good to see these young, you know, these fresh faces kind of come up, and um, and they are they're they're, they're taking uh wrestling, you know, that entertainment to a whole nother. Uh, a whole nother level, I feel like. Um, what? A- and I'll tell you. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, in line at NXT, after a while, people were showing up from other countries to go to Full Sail. Yeah. To go to NXT tapings. It became a part of, like, the Orlando tourist situation because random people would be like, you know, we're from wherever, and we're going to Disney and going to Universal and going to NXT. Dude, what happened, by the way, speaking of, because like TNA used to do their, their like Impact, right? Impact Wrestling used to do like yeah. the tapings at Universal, come to think of it. Um, yeah. And that was kind of a big and draw. What happened? What happened? What is going on with that? I, I don't even know. Back in the early 2000s, I was there all the time. Like leading up to the first victory road, I was always in the impact zone, like in the early 2000s. And then I would still try to go, you know, whenever I could, because do you know Lauren? Um, Yes. Oh, through uh, TSW. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Because she would do crowd organization for those impact. You know, but eventually they moved it to Canada for some reason. And that's where they're doing the tapings now, I still believe. And I've fallen way behind on Impact, but I've heard they've been putting out some good stuff. Yeah, I've definitely fallen behind, man. I I, I completely just, I I mean, even when I worked at CityWalk, they were still doing tapings there. Um, Like in 20, what, like 2010, 11, 12? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, man, when you said that, it just reminded me about it all. That's wild. Um, I mean, and I can tell you some interesting stuff about back in the day then, because I used to hang out with a bunch of the wrestlers and stuff that actually worked for TNA back in the day. 
the, the only guy I met was Rob Van Dam at Cigars. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, like one of the nicest guys. Like I, yeah. I, I, I didn't believe it, you know, because I, I, I'm here thinking like a lot of these guys are going to be, you know, kind of assholes sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. especially out in public, they don't want to be bothered or, you know, whatever. Right. But, um, dude, he was like one of the nicest guys I ever met. I'm trying to think who else did I meet that was like really, really cool. Um, man, I can't even remember his name now off the top of my head. I'm not even sure if he's wrestling. Um, when I was a lot younger, I know I met Hacksaw Jim Duggan and he was just, he was like world-class nicest guy ever too. He was huge. Oh yeah, and I was probably like nineteen. I was a lifeguard at Watermania. (laughs) Oh, nice Watermania. (laughs) Yeah. So, but it 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 was the coolest thing. But I can't um. It's probably how you doing, tough guy? (laughs) Bro, he he, his traps, like his neck and his like shoulders and traps, were probably the I'd never seen anything like that on a human before in my life, and I was like, holy crap. Like I, I get why he's a wrestler. You know what I mean? Like you can just see like the build on these guys. Man, you know, it's it's just like the NBA, if you ask me. When you're watching a basketball game on TV, they all kind of look normal because they're all big. <laughs> yeah. You know? But then you actually stand beside an NBA player and you're like, Man, you're kind of up there. You're really tall, oh, you know. They just don't look that tall yeah. when you see them on TV. And I think a lot of the wrestlers are the same way. I mean, yeah, you think Braun is a good-sized guy on TV, but then stand beside Braun, Strowman. No. I, and it's a whole... I'm a midget. I'm a midget next to that guy. Right. Like, I can't even <laughs> imagine that. I, it's, and it's cool. The cool thing about having NXT here, too, which is another thing I kind of wanted to bring up, you know, you run into a lot of these guys, I guess. I, now that I think about it, Mojo Rawley, that's who it was, Mojo. Yeah, Mojo's a good yeah, dude. Yeah, man. And he, I was like, holy crap. Like, I, he's a nice guy. <laughs> he really is. He's a nice guy. He's come by the bars a bunch of times. Um, Paige has... Yeah, Ricochet. Day, yep, she was she was cool. Yeah, you know all those guys were cool. Uh, Chris Hero, Man, that's know. wild. Yeah, and you would just kind of have random, you know, guys because you know they want to go hang out too. And speaking of RVD, I saw RVD out on the sidewalk one night, <laughs> and I was gonna say what's up to him. But I could tell you was talking to a girl trying to get something going. I was like, all right, I'm going to leave. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> yeah. RVD's a ladies man. If yeah. If he's trying to seal a deal, I can't be like, hey, man, you know, let me step in here for a minute. You know, <laughs> um, you have uh, you got any predictions for uh, for Extreme Rules, man? Uh, like, like is Keith can... Lee going to walk away with this? That's that, that's really what I want to know. Can 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 he walk uh, well, away with both belts? See, and that's what's really interesting about this because with it being title versus title, winner take all, Keith Lee is guaranteed to eventually become the NXT heavyweight champion. It's it's a given. He has the charisma. He has the agility. He has the size. Yeah. He's a total package to carry that company as a big star. And at this point, Adam Cole has had the title over a year. It would be a great push for Keith Lee 
to win it. But then what happens with the North American title? Who really, really hasn't even had that belt that long. Um, do you put it up in a tournament? What do you do? Hmm. I think you can use that to make another star if you put the NXT heavyweight title on Keith Lee. And I don't think Adam Cole really gets hurt by losing it. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I still think the Undisputed Era will be popular and entertaining, and they'll still be able to like cause problems with the good guys, and they'll still be a great situation. I know some people want the Era to be called up and go on Raw or SmackDown or something like that, but I would still like them to at least for a while hang out on NXT. Yeah, and I, I think they're better at NXT for right now as well. Yeah, I I think they're the best faction that we've seen in a long time. And I think it's them and an AEW, uh, Chris Jericho's faction. Oh, God. Le Champion. The inner circle, Le Champion. I oh, by the way. I love Chris for, Jericho. <laughs> oh, yeah. For Christmas. For, for Christmas, someone got me a bit of the bubble. Oh. <laughs> How is he? <laughs> you know, and he asked me, he was like, so did you drink it? I was like, no, man, this is important. This is a bit of the bubbly. Like, this is for a special event. Oh, no. It is sitting on a bookshelf right now. Oh, oh dude, that that is, I, I think he is just the perfect, like, heel right now. And I don't even think it's that. I don't think, even think it's a heel. You know what I mean? Like a bad guy. To me, it's not. I just think that. I mean, it's it's just Chris Jericho since his WCW days for me. Like I just, I, I think it's perfect. I'm glad you brought that up. Like the inner circle. You know, tell me more about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when people make arguments for some of the best wrestlers of all time, Chris Jericho has to be in that conversation, just because. You're talking about a guy who has evolved so much in so many different times over the years, always stayed relevant and was always so good. You just can't ignore it. I mean, from the Lionheart days to, you know, like the New Japan, Mexico, ECW, WCW. And that's all before he even became Y2J. Yeah. That's all before he became the Millennium Man. And turned all of that stuff into a whole nother thing. And then they gave him the list. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Everything. Like, that's going to be dumb. And he's like, well, I'll make it happen. And then everyone's buying clipboards. Yeah. They're the painted silver that say the list on yeah. it. Which just sounds ridiculous, but he made it work. You know, and now he's a totally different character, even from all of those. And he's still one of the hottest guys, one of the hottest talents in wrestling. So you got to give that man his, uh, as they would say now, you got to give that man his roses. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no, for sure, man, for sure. Um, man, there was somebody else that I wanted to ask you about, and I, it just just slipped my head because you brought up Chris Jericho. Oh, you were saying the factions. This is who, um, Dexter Loomis. Yes, I. I mean, first off, I'm a big fan of his as well. I. I, I think I'd kind of like to see him, you know, you were talking about the North American championship. Um, mm -hmm. You know, is that something that maybe you could see him kind of 
kind of maybe going towards or is his popularity already kind of at the point where you know you can kind of skip that and maybe he's gonna like like who do you see him who do you see him challenging next you know after this whole (laughs) beef and the strap match that he's got coming up yeah (laughs) i mean right now he's got drama with the era with the undisputed era him and roddy and all that i think dexter loomis has a great upside with how well he plays his character and I think he would be a good person to be in the mix for the North American title. I think that would be good. I think right now it's good that he's feuding with the era as well. But NXT has so much good talent that they can build to where, I mean, just that North American title scene had guys like Dominic Dajakovic, had guys like Keith Lee, had um, Damian Priest, uh, what's his name? The little uh, little country guy that does a double stop. I can't oh. say his name right now for some. Oh man, um, I know who you're talking about. He's uh, he he just uh, beat up on Damian Priest. Exactly. With yeah, with you know, hat. there's so many, exactly <laughs> with the top yeah. hat. You know, there's so many guys in that division. Just like the NXT's women's division is huge. You know that Loomis would be good to stay on that level for a little while because it'll give him so much fresh talent to build himself up with. You know, I think that would be a good move for him. And eventually you have him taking on guys like Finn Balor. You have him going up against Johnny Gargano. You know, you can build him up and not rush it. And I think that would really help him out. He's, he's huge physically. Um, Oh yeah. Like I, uh, and go ahead. He plays that creep character. To oh, the the, the, uh, the tortured artist <laughs> or whatever it's called. I dude, I I love it. I love it. I, I can't. I mean, they they couldn't have done it more perfect with him. Um, I was gonna say I saw him. Um, man, and what NXT live show was this? I had gone to, and I want to say, I don't know if it was in Sanford or. Or where it was at. But anyways, this was like before he, you know, he, he was kind of like on his own. He was part of like some group. Um, and I don't remember, I don't remember who they were, if it was just like something they were trying out. But he, would, he was like wearing all red, like red leather or something. And I don't know if you remember that or not. But it was just like the craziest thing when he crawled over the dude, you know, he like crawls with his fist. Right. He slides around and he did that over the guy. Me and my boy Kev completely lost it. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to be like, this guy's it for me. And then finally they kind of bring him up to NXT, you know, live on Wednesday nights. And I was like, holy shit, like this guy, this guy's going to be huge. So I, I, I can't kind of oh, yeah. wait to see his next, uh, I guess just kind of where they go with it. You know what I mean? At the rest of this year and, and maybe they get a title on him or not. But Oh yeah. I mean, my girlfriend, was never a wrestling person. And she started watching some of it when we got together. And the first thing we did was we went to and we went to a WWE Raw house show at the Amway Center. And then after that, we went to a NXT house show at Orlando Live Events over in Castleberry. And Loomis came out. <laughs> and she just sat there for a minute. She's like, 
that dude's a creep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's definitely a creep. Like, you know, and she's like, he's so uneasy. Like, she just, even if she sees him on TV now, she's like, stop staring at the camera. Like, it freaks her <laughs> out at home. Dude, he does. He's perfect, man. I'm telling you, he, uh, sure. he, he, he's, he's playing that gimmick just like to the T. Um, man, I, I, I can't thank you enough, Chris, for, for your time, dude. And, uh, oh, anytime, brother. It's been awesome. I, you know, whenever you want to talk, I am all yours, man. No, good, good. I, uh, I kind of, I want to get you on here with, uh, with Ross and, um, and kind of just get all three of us going here, um, eventually. Plus, plus I've been listening and I know Ross is into the uh, political side of things and I am too. So it'll be interesting to be able to chop it up with him. Um, he went to, trying to think of where he went. Uh, St. John's. Yeah, he went to St. John's. And I've got a public policy and economics degree from UCF. So it'd be cool to kind of chop it up with him. Oh, that see, stuff. that'd be awesome. Yeah, I I, uh, I, mean, it's definitely going to happen. I, um, you know, before I let you get out of here, any uh, any kind of like parting words, man? Any 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 kind of final words for uh, for the episode there? Any closing thoughts? Well, we've kind of gone all over the place, yeah. but <laughs> what I will say is, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now, and I just think people need people more than ever right now, you know? So reach out to your family and friends, be good to each other, check, check in on each other, and we'll get everything all, we'll get through everything together, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, you were talking about my Facebook and all that. Most of my Facebook is dad jokes. <laughs> so yeah, they each are. Other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might not always be good, but it's something for you to just kind of come across, do a little chuckle, go, he's silly, and then hopefully it'll brighten your day for a minute. No, it's perfect. And Don't stop. Don't stop with the dad jokes. Seriously. All right. <laughs> Don't stop. All right. From now on, I'll blame him. On. Yeah, you're allowed, dude. I'll take I'll take the full blame because, right, you right. know, with all this stuff, you're right. You know, on you know, you're absolutely right. All, all this stuff, kind of on on social media and and kind of all the negativity, um, dude. It is funny to see some of just the dumbest shit that you put on there, exactly. and I'm just chuckling to myself because I'm like, this guy is, this guy's perfect. <laughs> I'm like, this is it. This is the joke right here, and then you're, you know. You, your deed has been done, dude. Like it, it, it worked. <laughs> yeah, you know, and when people see all these things on the news and everything, and yeah, things are tough. I just want everyone to see hope because that's what I see. I see hope for change. I see hope in humanity in America right now because people are showing more compassion for each other than. I feel like I've seen in my lifetime and wanting to learn more about each other. And I think that's good. So even though some things are rough, I see hope at the end of the tunnel. Nice. Nice. Um, dude, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, like I said, um, we're going to get you on here again with Ross and, uh, and we're going to get down to some nitty gritty uh, policy changing stuff here. <laughs> Hey, definitely hit me up whenever, brother. It'd be it'd be an honor. Awesome, dude. Thank you again, um, Chris Stewart. You're the man, uh, dude. Have a good night. I'll well, hopefully, man. I'll see you around soon. You know, we'll see what happens with all okay. this stuff. 
But um, you know, we'll be we'll be around, and 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 everyone will hear you back on here, dude. Thank you again so much. Uh, thanks, brother. Take, Have a take good it one. easy, bud. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this latest episode of Saul's Life. Um, go ahead and uh, like, subscribe, share, do all that cool social media stuff that everybody does. Um, I really appreciate the support. Check me out on Facebook. Saul's Life uh, is on there. You can see uh, all the new episodes uh, up on there and just any kind of new bit of information that I put up there. And, and you can kind of just uh, stay up to date with everything that I'm doing. Uh, check me out on Instagram at Saul underscore wall underscore. And uh, on Twitter, it's Solly D's, uh, S-A-U-L-Y-D-E-E-Z. Um, yeah, so holler at your boy, guys. Thanks for listening to Saul's Life, and uh, stay tuned. Um, oh, feel free to send me, uh, you know, any topic ideas or anything you'd like to hear uh, me and the guys uh, cover. Um, we're open for anything. So, um, yeah, do that. Thanks, guys. <laughs>